Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber friends. I am Mark Shine, the national co-chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLennan, and I have a very special guest today, former Congressman Patrick Murphy. Mark, it's great to be with you. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. It, well, listen, it's, you guys do great work here at Marsh. I appreciate uh, your thought leadership in this space, and uh, we had a great panel earlier this morning, and I'm glad to be with you on this on this program. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, certainly appreciate you being part of the panel this morning. Um, you know, we heard a lot about your history, but before we get there, I just kind of want to let the listeners know who you are, the guy that was playing hockey down in Pennsylvania. How'd you get to be coming to Congress? Uh, listen, I'm a, I'm a Philly guy, grew up playing uh, hockey and was lucky enough to go on to college and, and was a three-year captain uh, and then was blessed to go eventually to law school and, and to teach at West Point sure. and to be a young army captain teaching the next generation of military leaders at, in my opinion, the world's premier leadership institution, uh, the United States Military Academy at West Point. Uh, it was there. I was chairing the law of war team, uh, competing internationally against China, Russia, um, and other nations, uh, coaching that, those West Point cadets. But I was there when, unfortunately, 9-11 happened, when thousands of innocent Americans were murdered. And uh, I quickly deployed in combat twice, uh, came back from the second deployment, uh, and then ran for the U.S. Congress. It was the first Iraq vet in Congress in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, uh, where I represented 700,000 folks. And then from that perch, you know, being on the Armed Services Committee, on the Intelligence Committee, and then becoming an appropriator uh, was an awesome experience. And I, I did that for a few terms and then came back uh, home, uh, had a TV show here with NBC in New York City at 30 Rock, uh, and then was called back in the public service, political public service, to, to be the 32nd Undersecretary of the Army. Uh, so. I uh, was the undersecretary and then the acting secretary of the Army, uh, and then uh, to be in the Pentagon with, with great Americans uh, who love our country and, and wake up every day to keep our family safe here at home was, was also a pretty awesome responsibility. Well, thank you for your service, first and foremost. Um, so I guess when you were at West Point, was there anything that kind of tipped the spear to get you to the point that you're at today? Well, you know, I come from a law enforcement family, so I was a federal prosecutor before joining the faculty at West Point and, and, um, and then being there. And it, it really is just this incredible leadership lab. And uh, I remember I would pinch myself, you know, being there and to be with these, these young Americans that they just inspire you every day. They're so bright. They're so committed. Uh, and, you know, at West Point, every, every cadet is an athlete and a scholar. And uh, whether they pay, play a Division One sport or they play a club sport, everyone is expected to play something. But also everybody is expected to be a scholar. Sure. Uh, and so, you know, you look at some of the great leaders uh, in, in our history, especially current history, um, they're West Point graduates or they touch West Point at some point. So for me, I'm not a graduate, but I now chair innovation at West Point, and I'm part of that team. But serving with people like David Petraeus, uh, you know, who was, you know, former professor there at the social science department or General Martin Dempsey, who was a chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff that when he was a one-star general, him and I were in Baghdad, Iraq together. Mm -hmm. uh, he now is up in New York, you know, advising the NBA if he's not down in his home in North Carolina. You know, but just to see these leaders continue to serve after their time in service 
Uh, that's what a soldier for life is, that, that leader of character committed to a nation for a lifetime of service. Sure. So, 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 so tell me a little bit about that. I mean, you, so you, a soldier for life. So 9-11 happens, and then you decide to go out to deployment. Were you already in the Army at that point, or how did that? I was. You know, I, I just signed a, a two-year contract to, to stay at West Point as a, a young Army captain, and I was already had been through what's called airborne school and air assault school, and I was getting ready for what's called ranger school. And, um, and it was just an, a phenomenal experience uh, for, for a blue-collar guy like me to, to go on to go play hockey and then uh, be commissioned as an army officer and then then the teach at West Point was awesome but uh, but when our nation was attacked you know I, I knew I wanted to get in the fight and so I deployed the combat um, and uh, it was it, that was a phenomenal experience but then it used that experience to go you know become the first Iraq veteran in Congress to to co-sponsor the post 9-11 GI Bill to co-author it uh, and then in my second term to, to, to write the bill that repealed uh, don't ask, don't tell, which threw out 13,000 troops because of who they loved back at home. Uh, to me, it was pretty simple. You know, you either believe in equality or you don't. Sure. I do, and I was willing to fight for it. But now the next, you know, the next phase of, you know, some great American corporations were started by veterans coming back from war. So when you look at Walmart, started by Sam Walton coming back from the Army in World War II, or Comcast started by Ralph Roberts, the largest media company in the world, or Nike, the largest sports apparel company in the world, started by Phil Knight and Bill Bowerman, Army officers. And there were the other generation of Vietnam, Fred Smith, Marine in Vietnam, coming back, starting Fed, FedEx. Sure. I look at that and I'd say, wow, half those GIs in World War II came back and started doing small business. Now it's less than 5% of my generation of Iraq, Afghanistan veterans. So what can we do more for innovation? What can we do for entrepreneurship? Uh, not just in the veteran community, but as a country as a whole. Great. So, so now uh, we're kind of walking through the timeline. We're now in Congress. We've now left Congress. Uh, 2019 cut rolls around. Talk to me about this cyberspace Solarium Commission. Sure. Listen, our our country uh, is in the middle of a hybrid war right now. It's an invisible war with nation states and private actors who are trying to do us harm here at home. And when I say harm. It doesn't just like just doesn't just necessarily mean the military assets, but also our private sector, especially when it comes to cybercrime. It is the largest transfer of wealth in recorded history wow. with cybercrime, uh, and uh, and they're attacking financial institutions, they're attacking energy grids, they're attacking uh, private actors, uh, taking stealing people's information. So, if you would get Patrick Murphy's credit card information, you could put that in the dark web, you could earn $20. If you get my electronic health record, uh, it's worth probably about $2,000 in the dark web. So again, you're seeing bad actors out there and sometimes bad actors that are state sponsored by some of our competitors, Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, where every day they wake up and there's battalions of individuals uh, trying to hack into our systems. Sure. Uh, and it's not just, again, the Pentagon, but it is the financial services. It is our energy companies. It is our telecom industry. So we need to do more as a nation. Uh, the National Defense Authorization Act in 2019 created uh, the U.S. Cyberspace Solarium Commission. The Solarium Commission is public and private sector uh, leaders coming together. We, we meet once a week, uh, usually in secret, in the U.S. Senate, uh, and we 
are giving a report this March uh, with approximately 75 recommendations on a whole-of-nation approach to address the cyber crisis that we're in right now. Excellent. I mean, can, can you, without getting into too much detail, is there any one nation state that the Solarium is most concerned about? Well, you, we, we, we have made federal indictments with some Russian um, sure. individuals and also some Chinese individuals. Uh, so that's public record. Uh, but there is no doubt that of those other nations that I mentioned, there is this invisible war. And where that war is being um, fought is on your iPhone and on your desktop at home and uh, and the desktops that are at your workplace. So we need as a nation to do a better job at having these public-private partnerships to make sure we have proper cyber hygiene, to make sure that we are partnering with not just the private sector, but also the public sector to make sure we keep America great, that we are doing what's necessary um, to have the number one country in the world, and that is to have a strong military, the strongest military, but also the strongest economy. And uh, that goes, frankly, hand in glove in a sense that we just can't outsource it. And it's not just a government solution, and it's not just a private sector solution sure. either. So, so how, um, I, I guess when we look at this hybrid war, as you talked about earlier, um, recently the U.S. had done uh, some type of aerial strike for Iran and killed an Iranian leader. What do you see, is, uh, from a retaliation standpoint, is there any thought process from the U.S. Solarium, um, cyberspace Solarium in terms of what they're thinking Iran might do or might be able to retaliate for? Sure. Well, Iran uh, struck back kinetically. Uh, and again, there's levels of warfare. So kinetic strikes, which are you know on CNN, and you, you see it, and there's explosions, and there's blood, and um, you know I have, I have lived through that. But after that uh, response, Iran did attack us uh, in a uh, base in Iraq. Mm -hmm. uh, we had 15 uh, American soldiers that suffered traumatic brain injury and, and were uh, being treated uh, overseas and sure. then now back at home here, Walter Reed. Uh, but also we've seen some retaliation and again, that hybrid, that below the kinetic threshold. So we've seen an uptake, uptick in cyber attacks from Iranian sources. And, and again, sometimes they're state actors and sometimes they're just citizens that are, uh, the gov their government looks the other way. So uh, in America, you know, we are used to the rule of law that no one is above the law. So we wouldn't allow uh, a young American sitting in his dorm room at NYU to attack uh, Russia's IRA or GRU, their, sure. their, their assets, their intelligence assets. Uh, we would hold them accountable. Uh, but again, uh, they're non-state actors, but we would not allow that to happen under our watch. What you are seeing uh, is other countries, frankly, letting it happen. And that's an uh, international norm that, that will not be tolerated. And we need to do a better job at harnessing the international community to ensure that, they narrow, that we're not being injured as much as we are. And again, Mark, we're talking about 1% to 2% of our GDP and, you know, I, I was hitting some stats earlier. Uh, in 2017, there was about $2 billion in cyber premiums. Sure. Uh, there's about $114 billion in worldwide cybersecurity spending, and then about $5 billion in venture capital spending. So uh, I have a small venture capital firm called Stony Lonesome Group where I invest in cyber companies. Again, it's usually seed round, but 
again, making sure that we are innovating appropriately to defend our nation and to have these public-private partnerships. Sure. If some of our listeners would be interested in, in possibly giving you a company to take a look and some help with evaluation, would you be interested in uh, seeing some new organizations? Or do you have your four that you've already kind of been working with to grow and, and Yeah, mature? no, no. We're always looking for deal flow. We're always looking for investment. So yeah, no, they can reach me at, at my website, which is patrickjmurphy.com, uh, or my handle on social media is at patrickmurphypa. Uh, or just through Patrick at PatrickJMurphy.com. So, uh, but, and, but I would say that, you know, IAS and I call upon Americans to be part of the solution, to do what's necessary, to follow these recommendations that we're putting out, to be part of the solution to move forward. And again, it is a public and private sector initiative that we need to get after in 2020. So, Patrick, we really appreciate your time. One question before you go. In terms of predictions, we're now in the new decade, looking 2020 and beyond. Um, where do you think the cyberspace is going to go over the next decade? I, I, there's no doubt that it's, that it's going to be 10x where we are right now within the next decade. And so when you say, and again, you look at the recommendations that are coming down the pike this March of 2020, uh, some of the responsibilities in the private sector when there's material breaches, some of the responsibilities that are going to be placed upon C-suite executives and boards, uh, some of the um, recommendations on pen testing, penetration testing, to make sure that our companies are resilient on the cyber attacks that have come and will continue to come throughout the next decade. We need to be very cognizant that there is a fifth domain, and not just in warfare, but in warfare we talk about the, the first four domains are air, sea, space and land, uh, the fifth domain is cyber. And that fifth domain isn't just in the battlefield, but it's here, as I mentioned earlier, in that invisible war, on our smartphones, on our desktops, and on our servers here in the United States of America. Well, former Congressman Murphy, thank you for coming on the show and chatting cyber. Thank you, Mark. <laughs>